Welcome to The Jewelry District, a podcast by JCK and JCK Online. This podcast is sponsored by Jewelers Mutual. In 1913, a group of jewelers were told their livelihoods were uninsurable. They came together through these times, and in doing so, Jewelers Mutual was formed. Today, they're here to protect you through the next century. To help for the times ahead, they've taken extra measures to help your business. To learn more, visit jewelersmutual.com slash extra measures. Today, JCK's Rob Bates and Victoria Gamelski talk with Rhett Auden, co-owner of Krogan's Jewel Box. Rhett talks about how the power of social media has helped her company during the COVID-19 crisis. Welcome to the Jewelry District, JCK's podcast. This is Victoria Gamelski, editor-in-chief of the magazine and the website, and I'm with... Rob Bates, news director of the magazine, JCK, and the website, JCK Online. We've got a wonderful guest today, Rhett Outen. She is co-owner of Krogan's Jewel Box, along with her sister, Mariana Hay, located in Charleston, South Carolina, and one of the country's oldest retailers. They've been around since about 1903, so coming on 120 years, which is really exciting. Rhett, it's wonderful to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Tell us a little bit. So just before we get into the nitty gritty, of course, we know there's lots to talk about and how you've been managing during South Carolina's lockdown and recent reopening, I understand. But tell us a little bit about the background of the store and the family business and how you and your sister and her daughters work together. Well, we're located in the historic area of Charleston, South Carolina. My sister, Mariana, and I are third generation. It's my grandfather's business. He was a hand engraver and a bench jeweler. It was a humble spot, definitely humble beginnings. After my mom graduated from the college of Charleston, he convinced her to come work for him just one summer. And uh, that was all she wrote. She wanted to be a writer and she had big aspirations about moving away. But once she started working in his little jewel box, she realized that she loved to sell jewelry. She loved to buy jewelry. And she brought the store more into the retail operation than it is today instead of a workshop. My parents bought our building, which is in 1797. Seems to be like a hot number here, but it's a 1797 building and they bought it in the 70s. When things were cheap on King Street and everyone was moving out to the mall. And we are grateful for that move every single day because we own our building, which has definitely helped us survive this unfortunate time so far because we don't have rent. As far as the family business goes and working with your sister, and I get that question a lot, you know, we get along really well, mostly because we love each other and we enjoy each other as people. But we also have very different strengths. We each have kind of found our lane. My sister keeps us straight kind of corporately. She deals with the insurance. She's always thinking about if we need a new employee and she's active in the community. She has her finger on the pulse of the jewelry industry. She reads your magazine religiously and, you know, the marketing, the PR, social media, the website, you know, is my baby. I, I, I really have believed in that. I did major in business and I know my way around a balance sheet and an income statement, but she loves my energy and enthusiasm, but you know, I need her stable and sure-footed assurance. We're a really good team. Her daughters joined the business in the last six or seven years and they've added so much to Krogan's. You know, Kathleen majored in business. She went to GIA. She worked for Cartier and Seaman Shep. And she came back to Charleston just with a love of spreadsheets and understanding (laughs) data. And that's been an awesome thing. 
Minnie, who's named after my sister from Mariana, she's super artistic. She majored in art, had a short foray at the Met in New York after she graduated. But she and Kathleen actually have their own line of jewelry. It's fabulous. So would you consider them, they're millennials, right? Were they initially reluctant to come into the business or were they excited about it? And do you think they've... Nothing like working for somebody else to realize how nice it would be to work with your family. (laughs) You know, they had a few other jobs and I think that they realized that we had a good thing going on. And they've been going to shows with us since they were teenagers. And, you know, they've been a part of our business forever. So it was natural. And do you think having them on board helps you to attract millennial consumers? Hugely. Just they have added so much in terms of that. And what is, you know, stylish. 100-year-old jewelry stores can be really boring. (laughs) (laughs) But they really have brought so much to the table in terms of that. Yes. And so you and I, Rhett, spoke last week on the phone and you'd mentioned you'd close the store for your lockdown around March 16th, I think. So were you all working from home over the last six, seven weeks? I mean, bring us up to speed on what's happening now. Well, gosh, it has been a roller coaster ride. That was a surreal experience. But, you know, that last weekend in March was a beautiful sunny weekend in Charleston. And that Saturday, the store was packed with customers. It was a big tourist weekend. But there was sort of an ominous feeling in the air, you know. But um, as I told you, Victoria, by that Sunday afternoon, things had changed. And we realized we were going to have to close. Four of us actually met at Barrier Island, one of the beaches, and decided to go for a big walk on the beach to figure out how to handle it. I mean, you know, it felt big. And we're on the coast. And we weathered a lot of storms. And at first we thought this would just be a two-week shutdown. And we could handle two weeks. And we decided that day that we would do everything in our power to keep our team and to pay our team, even down to the delivery guy. We'd spent a lot of time kind of accumulating this group of people. We love our employees. And we wanted them to know that their job was secure. So we committed to paying them before we closed. And then everyone looked at me and said, you're the creative and you figured out this website thing and you do the social media. That's what's going to have to carry us through. You better come up with a plan. <laughs> wow. So what did what was your first idea? Well, you know, we had to have some income stream to be able to move forward here. It was actually my sister's idea to do what we now call the social distancing deal of the day. We brainstormed and decided, you know, we could discount all the way across the board or We could kind of have fun with it and really use this as a time to showcase different areas on our website. And if we did a deal of the day, hopefully that would kind of get customers that weren't using our website using it. And so we came up with the hashtag social distancing with a side of sparkle. And many went to work snapping pics of this just beautiful jewelry stacked on hands in the sink, soaping up. And immediately, I mean, it was just like it took off. I mean, we sold a really expensive emerald ring. People were just, there was an energy about it. And it really gave us hope. It was So we decided to have fun with it. So it was really clever and really fun. And the best news was, is after eight days, we have 27 employees. And I was only thinking in terms of payroll. We had made that payroll. I mean, wow. 
can I ask you a question about logistics? Because this is something that I think people are struggling with in that, you know, you're supposed to put all the goods away in the safe while you're closed and some places actually are throwing them off site. So when somebody buys something, how do you get it to them? How do you ship it to them? Is it curbside pickup? Do you deliver it to them? I have come up with a new term for my sister and me, new names. I think I'm going to have to engrave it on a name tag. But we are now referred to as Lucy and Ethel because <laughs> we do not know how to process orders. We're very hands-on. Do not get me wrong. We work really hard. We wouldn't allow anybody to go in the store, you know, those first few days. So it was Minnie and Mariana going in and Kathleen and Minnie going in. And the safe was a disaster. You know, somebody would want pearl earrings and we'd go, pearl earrings. Okay. All right. Wait. Oh, no. That's third box. Oh, you know, but we've created zones where nobody crosses the tape. One person rings up the sale. One person wraps the sale. One person ships the sale. So it's very organized and we've been able to fulfill orders that way. We've even brought in our engraver who has an office on the second floor and she's safe and wears a mask and comes in alone, engraves alone, leaves alone. And then same with one jeweler who comes in alone, wears a mask, works alone and leaves. And I, I did call the city and ask if that was legal. And they said, absolutely, that we were complying with the ordinance. So that's how we've been able to do it with a very small staff. And is there a big problem with the coronavirus locally or is it largely passed? You know, it's ever changing. That is what is so upsetting about this process. We are now six weeks in and we thought two weeks we would be back to work. But I believe we flattened the curve. And it, it, we have not been given the all clear to go out right. at all. We still have these you know, rules in place and everyone is extremely cautious and careful. But, you know, we're still working and I'm really grateful for that. And we are, you know, kind of having some really strict safety protocols that we're going by to try to get a little bit back to work. But as the website says, encouraging drive-by pickups, a few private appointments, and that sort of thing. And it says to text or call or email us. It's really a one-by-one -one thing. Are most local businesses doing it that way with one-by-one -one appointments? Yeah. I mean, our street is just, there's no one shopping much yet. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. The phone is ringing. The website's pinging. There's business to be done, but it is not walk-in traffic. How do your employees... Obviously, everybody wants to work and wants to make a living, but how do they feel about getting back to work? Are they nervous? Are they excited? Are they concerned? And how do you deal with it? What we realized early on in about week one, we realized after we told them they were going to get paid, there was this immediate push to what can we do? How can we help? What? Give me a job. And we made a personal phone call and said, what can you do? You tell us. What do you want to do? Then we started a group chat with all of us. And each family member plus each manager takes a day. And we try to engage them daily. It's not necessarily jewelry oriented, but it's a place where we can all connect. And we can say, oh, today, an aquamarine ring sold on the website. Or Mrs. Smith is doing a drive-by for her engagement ring. Good job, Brian, making that work. You know, so... That's been really key because there's buy-in there and there's a real feeling of camaraderie. And in going back, several people said they weren't comfortable going back. We've got two women that are pregnant. We have two employees that are over 65. We have one that has diabetes. 
And you know what? We want them to stay home and we'll find something for them to do from the comfort of their own home and still be able to help us. If you're a fan of podcasts, you know that listener reviews is what helps make them possible. Help spread the word. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Jewelry District on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And now back to the show. All right. So, Rhett, when we talked recently, you'd mentioned that you had a bridal customer that you were making an engagement ring for, but they sort of decided on the fly to do something a little more intimate. Tell us about what that wedding was and and what you did for that couple. We had an adorable groom come in and had family stones and we had designed a custom ring and it was going to take six weeks to make and he was ready to get engaged and at first he thought six weeks was okay but about a week and a half ago he called and he said the ring isn't ready is it and I said no it's not ready he said you know what we just want to get married we're going to get married in my mom's backyard and is there a way that we could get a wedding band. I would really love to surprise her with a pretty diamond wedding band and she can wear that and we'll do it backwards. And so I said, sure, you know, come on in. And he and his mom and dad came in and we got the Purell and we got out the alcohol wipes for all of the wedding bands and everybody wore a mask. And I said, well, you know, we can engrave the inside if you would like. And he was so excited. He said, do you know what I want to engrave inside? I said, what? And he said, can't stop this. (laughs) And uh, the wedding was the next day and they did a drive-by and picked it up. Oh, that's so uplifting. Yeah. I know you said you planned to keep paying your people, but have you tried for things like PPP or the idle loans? What's been your experience with that? We did apply for the PPP and we did get it. And we were very grateful for that. And that was a scramble. Again, I think that was about relationships. We have a wonderful relationship with a community bank, local bank, and they were able to get that for us. And we are so grateful because we are, you know, six weeks is a lot different than two weeks. And have you tried to get, you know, you said you've had emergencies and times when you've had to shut down. Have you had to get small business emergency loans before? No. We've not, we've never applied for a small business emergency loan. And this was the first time and fortunately got it. Yes. Yes. In the last recession, we learned a lot and we have been saving and we have been looking at our business has just been growing and growing and growing. And we look at each other regularly and we go, this just cannot go on forever. It's going to correct. We know it's going to correct. So we've had this in the back of our mind for a while. We did not know that it was going to be, of course, anything like this, but we have known that we couldn't just keep on growing like we were growing, that something was going to happen in the economy. What are people in the area thinking as far as tourism? Obviously, it's not going to be what it was, but are you adjusting for that? How are how are you and all the other businesses planning for that? What, what would clearly be a lesser tourist season? We have really, really grown because of our tourist traffic and because, unfortunately, the the fall of the family jewelry store, so many people that come to visit Charleston, you know, they're used to buying their jewelry at Neiman's or Saks. And while that is all fine and good, we've connected with them because, you know, four members of my family are on the floor and we enjoy connecting and, and introducing people to our city. And we have a tremendous visitor and tourism bureau that actively recruits businesses and tourists to the town. And they're all very high end and they've done a phenomenal job. We are in touch with them every day about what their plans are and how this is going to work and how we're going to open the city and when is it going to be safe to travel. And, you know, we've won Condé Nast 
tourist and travel and leisure's number one city in the country for the last seven or eight years. So we are a tourist destination. 50% of our sales are not local. Hmm. And that has been a really big growth part of our business. But it is also where our website has kicked in. It has helped us grow without knowing the customer, so to speak. It's been a very interesting process. I know, Rhett, you you said you'd recently, I think during this pandemic, implemented the chat function on your website, right? How how has that gone for you? And was that challenging to figure out? Amazing. Not challenging at all. It was one phone call to Podium. We already used Podium for text messaging for all my employees. So we've been using that application for a while and they had a plugin for our website. And in one of those conversations I was telling you about with our employees, I asked one of our employees who deals with the website mostly if he would be willing to research it and get it running and be in charge of the chat button. We now have three people monitoring the chat button. And it just makes a huge difference. People want a personal touch. They just want to know there's a human being that can hold their hand through the process. And it has really been a game changer. So when you're in the store, are you wearing masks and gloves? My brother is a doctor. And he said, Lucy and Ethel were not equipped to use gloves if you wash your hands and use Purell and all of that. He was more concerned about the glove germ contact than their hands and lots of hand washing. We're wearing masks and we have sanitation specialists, for lack of a better word, who is just constantly reminding us. Everybody wash their hands. She's walking around. She's wiping down. That is her only job antiseptic wipes for when you give somebody a shot, using those to wipe off every piece of jewelry coming in and going out. So those little wipes are very helpful. You can wipe them all down and apparently is a fairly easy thing to eradicate. It kills easily with a little bit of alcohol. It's, it's not a scrub thing. It's just wipe it down and you're good. What else, what other advice has he given you as far as precautions to take when you're meeting with the general public? That you cannot be too careful that my sister and I are both at the age of, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm 56, Mariana is 61, but I do have a respiratory issue from time to time. I tend to get bronchitis and that kind of thing. And he just says, you cannot mess around with it. You cannot mess around with it. He's just been very serious about taking it seriously and not in any certain terms to relax at all. I'm very grateful for it. He's not let us relax. And he's kept that in the forefront of what we're doing. And I mean, who cares about a sale if somebody gets sick? I mean, we're just not going to do that. Do you make sure that customers have masks? Is that? We have a box of masks, of disposable masks. We have a thousand masks that we just get in. And we'll require each customer to wear a mask to walk in the store. I'm just curious if it was hard to get that many masks. It feels like there's runs on all these things on Purell's. Was there a good resource for? I think relationships is the is the buzzword here. We have a local pharmacy that's a great customer and we use for everything we do. And we just called and said, what do we do about masks? And I said, you know what? I'll get a shipment in for you. And so we came through for us. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Um, and what's it like selling behind a mask? I'm sure it's unusual. I'm not good at it at all. (laughs) And behind the mask, you get a little used to being behind the mask. I am a hugger and we're all huggers. Selling jewelry six feet apart. Our city has a very strict ordinance about what it's going to look like. You have to put tape down on the floor. 
You have to post the rules that you're doing one way in, one way out. I mean, they are very serious about how many people you can have in the store. It's a very complicated ordinance. The hardest part is being six feet away with someone and talking about a piece of jewelry. That's a long way. It has to go on a tray and then given to them. My arm is not six feet long. So it's hard. It's not easy. But we're training with each other and we're doing role playing and it's been hilarious. <laughs> and then any other big sort of lessons from all this? Anything that you're going to now do differently as a result of the things you've learned over the last six weeks? Well, I think that our website is a game changer and we are surviving because of our website and our social media presence and our email list. And that was always something that took second place to customers walking in the store. And we've invested a lot in our website. We've invested both in terms of it running well and in terms of people. But we've never really let it fly, so to speak. And that's exciting. I do think that we've asked the question a lot. What does a 117-year-old jewelry store, how do we fit in the digital age? We do have a website. We do have social media and all. But really and truly, at the end of the day, we're an old jewelry store. And is jewelry ever going to sell on the website? We've been having this conversation in the industry, gosh, for a decade. And I think what I've learned through the pandemic is yes, that it goes back to relationships. And it is going to be one by one on the chat button, on the telephone, putting that personalized note inside the box, sending them a lookbook, calling to see if they got it, thanking them for their business. I think we lead with gratitude for every single sale that marches out of that store in a completely different way. And I think that's what our website's going to look like, just like our store. I mean, I think we've got to translate that into that medium because I think people are thirsty for it. I do. And that's what I would say I've learned from this is it's people first, sales second. Thank you for listening to The Jewelry District. I'm Katie Clifford, co-producer alongside Kathy Becerro. Our editor is Olivia Briley. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. We hope you join us next time on The Jewelry District by JCK, sponsored by Jewelers Mutual.